You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farah of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. You hear how they're talking about me? How they're treating me? They're treating me wrongfully. They're treating me with falsehood, false accusations, talking stink about me, if you will. But that changes everything. It changes the whole direction. And in effect, it changes the dynamic of everything that was set up to that but. Yeah, they did that, but here's what I did. I meditated on the Word of God. Who has the final word in your life? Is it your tough circumstances? Is it the enemy who seeks to destroy? Or is it God? As Pastor J.D. challenges us in today's message, instead of allowing those situations to determine whether you praise God, choose to praise Him anyways. You'll experience a wonderful transformation in how you see the world. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 119 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Verse 73, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you, this is interesting, verse 74, will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness, You have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to your word to your servant. Let your tender mercies, verse 77, come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Again, let me just parenthetically say that of the 100 and 76 verses in Psalm 119, all but three of those verses have some reference to the Word of God, the statutes of God, the commands of God, the law of God, the central theme, of course, being the Word of God. As I was preparing to teach tonight, and even as I read it now tonight, it just comes jumping off (laughs) the pages of my Bible, and I read every verse in God's Word, about God's Word, and so no exception here in these verses. Verse 78, let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. You know, I I just caught this, and there's going to be two more places that we're going to see this. And if you don't mind, maybe you'll just indulge me for a moment. I want to draw your attention to this but here in verse 78. I want to say this carefully, but we need to be careful where our but is. And I'll explain what I mean by that, okay? 
So the psalmist says, they have treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. Now the but is in the right place. But here's what we do with the but. We say, I will meditate on your precepts, but they have treated me wrongfully with falsehood. You see the difference? It changes the entire complexion of everything that the psalmist is saying. It's almost as if to say, yeah, I mean, I meditate on your precepts, but you hear how they're talking about me? How they're treating me? They're treating me wrongfully. They're treating me with falsehood, false accusations, talking stink about me, if you will. But that changes everything. It changes the whole direction. And in effect, it changes the dynamic of everything that was set up to that but. Yeah, they did that, but here's what I did. I meditated on the Word of God. I will meditate on your precepts. I would suggest that this can be such a powerful and even practical principle in our lives as Christians. Just the restructuring of the sentence, as it were, and placing in its proper place that but. You know, the bills are piling up, but God will always provide. Not, I know God will always provide, but the bills are piling up. Guess what just got the final word on that situation in your life? Not God, because of where you place the but. No, <laughs> the bills are piling up, the situation's getting worse, but my God will always provide. Verse 79, let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimonies. Let my heart, verse 80, be blameless, not sinless, blameless, regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. Okay, here in this section the psalmist once again is making mention of how God was good and faithful to afflict him. Now we last week talked about this in depth at length, how the psalmist says, you, you treated your servant well. You've treated me well as your servant, and it was good that you afflicted me. It was good that you allowed affliction into my life, because had you not, I would have went astray. It was that affliction that you allowed into my life that got me back on the right path, as Isaiah describes it, the, the highway of holiness. I'm rereading this book by Roy Hessian, The Calvary Road, and he talks about this highway of holiness. Uh, very uh, uphill <laughs> to get on this highway, and once you're on that highway, sometimes you can get off track. And of course the enemy's right there screaming at you, yelling at you, shouting at you, but you have to just sty on that narrow path. Thy word, O Lord 
is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. It lights the way on that highway, keeping me in the way. And sometimes God in His love for us, because He loves us, will allow that affliction into our lives. And here again the psalmist makes mention of how it was good. God, you were in your faithfulness to me and your love for me, you afflicted me. And that was a good thing. It was a good thing. And it almost seems that it was because God afflicted him that those who also feared God were blessed whenever they would see him. Did you catch that reference in there? And I was thinking about this. It's um, Actually, I came across this quote a couple of weeks ago, and I had to actually search it online to make sure I got it correctly. And it's so apropos. Listen to this. Some cause happiness wherever they go. Others, whenever they go. I'll just kind of let the Holy Spirit take it from there and just give you a moment to let that sink in. This is what the psalmist is saying, is that I'm a blessing. Wherever I go, I bring happiness and blessing to those who fear God. Do you know why? Because God afflicted him. Let me flip that around to the other side. And I, I <laughs> this was last week in my, uh, one of my devotion times with the Lord. I, I was thanking him for all the trials in my life, all the hardships. And I was thanking him because I don't know what kind of a person I would be if I didn't go through those trials and hardships and afflictions. I mean, I would be unbearable. I'd be so full of myself, so proud, so obnoxious, so unbroken, so obstinate. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know what I'm talking about? So when God allows the affliction and we break, there's that brokenness, there's that humility. Well, that's what makes us a blessing. Think of it this way. The people that you like being around the most, are they not the most humble people that you've ever met? And conversely, the people that you cannot stand to be around? Aren't they the know-it-all? You know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, just as I said that, somebody came to mind. And you're even thinking to yourself, man, they need to hear this. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe we need to hear this. I know I need to hear this. It's the know-it-all. It's, you know, the knowledge puffs up. It's the one that is so full of themselves, so proud. And I mean, I think of in the Proverbs, which I can't wait until we get to the Proverbs after the book of Psalms. But I think of the imagery of... God declaring that, I just, I cannot stand to be around the proud. I, I resist the proud. I know the proud from afar off. Like, I see it like this, get away from me. I cannot stand to be around you. You know why that is? Have you ever thought about it like this? God is humble. God is humble. I think of the Savior when He was here on earth and the meekness and the humility that he must have had, so much so that children were attracted to him, not intimidated by him. 
Is there not something so attractive about humility? You know, by the way, I, I am very careful about referencing movies, but I can't help it when it comes to Rocky. <laughs> it just, you know, what is it now, Rocky 18? They have Rocky 18 now, but no, but you know why it is that we want the underdog to win? I'll never forget the first Rocky movie. And I mean, I'm, my goodness, you're, you're, <laughs> you're screaming, you know, everybody hates Apollo Creed. Why? He's so full of himself. Comes out with all the pomp and the circumstance and the music, you know. <gasps> you know, and then here comes Rocky Balboa. He's like, I'm, I'm just so grateful to be in the ring with, you know, the champion Apollo Creed. You're like, oh my goodness. Kill him, Rocky! Kill him! You know, we want the underdog to win. Why? Because of the humility. Humility is so attractive and pride is so repulsive. And this is really what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, because God afflicted me, He has humbled me, and in that humility I am a blessing to everyone that I come into contact with. I'm, <laughs> I'm the one that causes happiness wherever I go, and not one who only brings happiness whenever I go. <laughs> That's humility. And it only comes by way of affliction. I think of the thorn in the flesh that the Apostle Paul prayed and even begged God to take from him. And this after he had been caught up to the third heaven and was shown indescribable, unfathomable. It would be criminal to try to even describe the glory that awaits. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. You cannot even begin to comprehend what it's going to be like in heaven. And listen, if I'm caught up to the third heaven and God shows me a glimpse of glory, <laughs> which is why He would never do that, I wouldn't be able to handle it. I would come back down on earth and I would write a book for $39.95 on <laughs> what, what God showed me. And I would go out on speaking tours and uh, you know I would speak all over the world and I would be so full of myself, so proud. I mean, <laughs> after all, God chose me to show me what heaven's going to look like, so I could tell you. But not Paul. The Apostle Paul, God allows. And by God's design, we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. And I'm so glad, because had we known whatever that affliction was, whatever that ailment was, and it was not something that we could identify with, then we would be dismissive of it. God has kept it open-ended, if you please, generic, if you prefer, so that we can apply whatever that thorn was to our own lives. So the question has to be answered, why is it that God would not remove whatever it was from Paul's life? Because it kept him in humility, completely dependent upon the Lord. And sometimes I I really believe, and I've experienced in my own life, how it is that God, in His love for us, will allow whatever that affliction is, whatever that thorn 
may be because it keeps us completely humble before Him and dependent upon Him. And it makes us a blessing to others. Verse 81, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. There it is again. Did you catch that? So you can say, I hope in your word, but my soul faints. I I trust you, Lord, but I'm so weary and discouraged. No, 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 the but's in the wrong place. Yeah, I'm discouraged, but my hope is in you. But I hope in your word. Verse 82, my eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? Verse 84. When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. All your commandments are faithful. They, here it is again, persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on the earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. Now, (laughs) you'll never be able to read God's Word again the same after tonight, right? Because every time you read that word, but, you're going to do a double take. Wait a minute, there it is again. There it is again. They almost made an end of me. In other words, this was almost how it was going to end for me, but changes the whole complexion of it. I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. If you're anything like me, and I would suspect that you are, it would seem, and it sounds like the psalmist is in complete desperation here. And he's crying out to God, and he's pleading with God, and he's begging God to help him, to comfort him. Why? Because it seems that he's on the receiving end of persecution. He's being mistreated. They're treating him wrongly. They're persecuting him. And it seems as if it was so bad that he's even crying out to God saying, this is going to be how it ends. You got to do something, God. You got to help me. I don't know how much more of this I can take. He had been brought to the end of himself. And thankfully, The psalmist knows what every single one of us should know and do. Not just know it, but do it. Just because you know something doesn't mean you're going to do it. What the psalmist knows is that in times like this, he can turn to the Word of God when he faces such intense persecution. He can turn to the Word of God and the God of the Word. And by the way, you don't hear this preached much today, but proportionate to how we live godly, so too will we be persecuted. You say, well, 
I'm not really persecuted. And by the way, let's qualify what persecution is, okay? Some of the things we try to put under the category of persecution for righteousness sake, it's not persecution, it's life. It's just life. You're not being persecuted, it's just you live in a fallen world, and you're fallen, and that's what's happening. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy in his second epistle. Chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, I don't like that word fact, it's, it's very definite. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I wish it said this. I wish it said, you know, you want to live godly, you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, there's a good chance, you know, by chance, that you might experience some persecution. It doesn't say that. It says, no, you will. And notice how it is the one who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. You're going against everything and everyone in this world. And it's increasingly more difficult in these last days as the world continues to wax more and more evil, seemingly with each passing day. But, you like where I put the but on that? But God, but God. I think about what Paul wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but, I'm really starting to like this word. (laughs) I hope you are too if not my apologies, but we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, John 16, verse 33. This to me is, ah, how do I say it, the fine print of Christianity. Full disclosure, if you will. Just so that you're not caught off guard or become disillusioned when, not if, things in life happen and life gets hard. Jesus said it like this, in this world you will, not my, not it's possible, no, you will have trouble trials, tribulation. Here comes that word, you know, you know it's coming, right? But, <laughs> be of good cheer. Cheer up, be encouraged. You want to know why? Because I have overcome the world. I just don't want you to be disillusioned. I, I want you to understand that the Christian life is a hard life. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. 
If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 